Hey, 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 welcome back to Spilling the GNT. You're here with Bolo. And Dr. Tom. No, we're here to give you the opinion you never really asked for. But we're giving it anyway. That's right, yeah. Now, Bolo here's a performer. Uh, and Dr. Tom's a psychiatrist. Hmm. And we're here to give you our professional... Professional? Professional review on RuPaul's, RuPaul's Drag, Drag Race UK. All right, Doctor, you ready? More than ready. Great. Now, how has your week been? Welcome back. Thank you very much. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome you know, back. <laughs> feel like I've been away. <laughs> Not been anywhere. Okay. Wish I had. Yes. Now, one thing that I do want to talk about is um, the Tyra Sanchez um, kind of situation happening. Let's get our viewpoint on it. So, basically, mm. she's come back onto social media after like a hiatus. She has. Um, she's come back and she's pulled up an Instagram apology. Just in for a, way. a moment, I wonder if we actually might need a little bit of exposition here because I'm yeah. aware that some younger fans in particular haven't seen the first couple of seasons of Drag Race. They might not have travelled back that far. Well, so the, Tara Sanchez is... The winner of season two. She is. and um, The fabulous she, winner of season two. And she is the youngest winner of RuPaul's Drag Race to date. And I have to say, it was well-deserved... You can't take the crown from her. She was amazing. A lot of people are saying, now, a lot of the drama comes from a lot of the queens, a lot of the fans saying that she actually isn't deserving of um, winning season two. And I just want to tell everyone that says that to shut up. <laughs> well, it's interesting that even from the outset, you're feeling the need to defend her there, isn't it? Because um, she did she did trounce the competition in season two. Um, I mean, you're a massive Tyra fan. Yes. I, I think she's fabulous. I respect her win. I would never, ever quibble with that. Um, she, she really did um, storm that series. There were one or two weeks when she didn't do quite as successfully, I would say. <laughs> we might disagree on this. If anybody's seen her performance in the... Uh, this the, is for my boys and girls. And the boys and that's, girls. that's a very kind impression, <laughs> I think. It was more... This group of Papa Girl, but Betty Butterball. This group is for my girls, little lady boys. This group is for my lady, the lady boys. Little lady, lady boy, lady, lady boy, girl. Okay. That, that was a performance. No, no, sorry. So the drama dates back to this. Mm. It's, um... Some of the queens, I think it was Fifi O'Hara. Now, she's a queen that I'm not the biggest fan of. But mm. it was that uh, Fifi O'Hara was, um... Had tweeted or put online that Tyra was robbed. Oh, sorry, that Raven was robbed of the crown. And so that's a common trope, that isn't it? A lot of yes. people say Raven was robbed, and I love Raven. Raven? Raven. I love Raven. But um, Ra- <laughs> I wear Raven. <laughs> Raven, the glasses. Raven was not robbed. Yeah. Um, Raven had a late surge in the competition, an amazing drag queen, mm. deserved a spot in All Stars 1. No, but I, she wasn't I robbed. I don't know why people are coming for Tyra. That, that's, this is just me. I don't know why Fifi O'Hara felt the need. Need to go online and say something like that like she's obviously stirring something the thing about tyra is that a lot of people over the years have come at her yes a lot of queens a lot of fans have come at her from such a harsh uh, i don't i don't understand it like maybe people don't like her personality i don't know but i i love tyra Histori- i think she was very very well she was a young queen i think mm. she was she was a very very newcomer queen into the scene and she was going up against the likes of raven who was i think was already a name Something in the drag yes. and yes in the drag scene so i think people just didn't like the idea of a newcomer beating her but when you watch the series tyra banks trounced their competition she Sanchez, deserved- the other tyra the other tyra so um so it began with that, and then she was banned from Dragon because she um, threatened violence towards Satyana and Fifi, and then um, Dragon wouldn't let her come. She threatened to bomb Dragon, and there's a um, 
lot of racist kind of a lot of racism kind of aimed at Tyra. I mean, there were a few bits back and forth when the the drag con thing wasn't the only thing. Um, she got called out for um, telling a fan to go kill themselves. Um, <sighs> she also did did that thing where um, she tweeted that Morgan McMichaels was dead. Um, yeah. So it's a few bits, but like we both are big fans of dark humor from drag queens. Drag queens are not. PG-13 performers. They are nightlife denizens. They're adult performers, as far as we're concerned. They're not necessarily family-friendly. And, of course, that incorporates dark humour. I think one thing we've observed, isn't isn't it, that the backlash against Tyra seems somewhat disproportionate and there could be a race element in there, couldn't there? Because we've seen it with other queens of colour. Season gone along. 7, Kennedy, Kennedy and Jasmine and Jasmine had multiple death threats for throwing a bit of shade, frankly. Neither of them were monsters. They're both fabulous drag queens. They were both very entertaining. But um, we've seen it time and time. Asia O'Hara as well. It is racism, right? Can I say that? Of course it is. Of course it is. And it's well known in the drag race fandom. And it's um, unacceptable. It point blank. Um, and I, th- from my point of view, I think Tyra got into this really difficult interplay with the fandom where it all started, I think, with people trying to um, deny her her admirable win in season two. You know, we know that she already had a difficult start. We already know that she was somebody who struggled with her anger and she responded in the only way she knew how. Some of the things she said were unacceptable, but the, the backlash was not, you know, when we compare her to perhaps other queens who throw shady comments or say, uh, use dark humour, like Trixie Mattel. Trixie uses dark humour all the time. They don't necessarily get called out in the same way. The thing is, the, the reason I feel for Tyra is that when, you, when you're pushed and pushed and pushed time and time, year after year, you snap. Like she, she, she must have got to a point where she just was like, "I really don't care anymore. I'm mm. gonna say whatever I want. I, you don't care about me. I don't really care about you. You've been so unfair to me in this time. So why yeah. can't I be that same way? Why do I have to be a role model? Why do I have to be PC when everyone's coming at me, guns blazing, hundred and ten percent all yeah. the time, and I have to take a seat back and and try be PC in the way I respond to you? No, she snapped, and anyone would have snapped. I would. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's really, really unfair so going back to what's happened with Tyra Tyra's just come back onto social media as King Tyra mm-hmm. Sanchez I follow her you follow please follow her she's amazing and she's come back with us an apology and I just wanted to know to you what would that and again I'm putting you in the position what will a therapeutic conversation sound like with yourself mm-hmm. Mr. Psychiatrist and Tyra Sanchez <laughs> and so, Tyra Sanchez what how would what would that conversation sound like well from the sounds, of, I think the the starting point, and I think I labour this point quite a lot, is is kind of like a desire for change and somebody recognising that something in their life isn't quite going right, and they need to take responsibility for that. Because we we can we can totally come from the standpoint that Tyra has been treated unfairly. Sadly, Tyra doesn't have a huge amount of power over how other people behave. So all she can do is take responsibility for her own behaviour. We, we we were looking at her Instagram post earlier, and it's quite lengthy, and it, it feels very heartfelt to me. And I have to, as part of my profession, believe in people's capacity for change. And I believe that Tyra can move forward from this. And 
Um, I think all she needs to do really is just, you know, she's already demonstrated regret and remorse over her actions. I hope people accept that um, uh, because it felt heartfelt and sincere and just kind of leave the drama behind and move forward with her her wonderful art. She's a fantastic performer uh, and a really create, visually creative person. She has some amazing looks on her own and just multi-talented. She deserves a platform. And yeah, as long as she's demonstrating a desire to move forward in a different way, I think we should embrace that and give her that opportunity. That's what I think. I want a refund, actually. <laughs> um, that was cr- I, I've got to say that. I'm- <laughs> no, thank you. Do you also think that this means possibly that there could be a winner's cycle for I RuPaul's think, Drag Race? Yeah. Because I think Tyra Sanchez was the only one mm-hmm. who grid. was off the grid for that. And I think nearly every drag queen has said that they'll do it. As I mean, Bob the drag queen... She's like, yeah, I'm going to win it. She says, yes, I'll do it, and I will win. (laughs) (laughs) Period. So I I love Bob. I think if you think about the timing of it, we we saw that tweet and we were both like, yeah, this this is maybe a little bit of World of Wonder getting in touch with Tyra and encouraging her. Because Drag Race is on an all-time high. It's on VH1. It's going international. We're getting about 20 seasons a year at the moment. (laughs) Celebrity drag you coming out as well. Yeah, there's that, which I'm quite excited about, actually. Um, and um, we're coming up to a lovely round number 12. We're going to get a 12th winner from season 12, which you know has already been filmed. And, you know, not counting all stars because they're kind of all stars and they've, you know, in a way... They're, they're all they're stars, kind of, yeah. No, all it would stars be too many count. girls anyway. You just couldn't put that many girls in a season. But Tyra was the only missing piece of the puzzle. You know, we know BB's in the family. Raj is very active. You know, when we're going back to the early girls and all the, the current girls are very much part of the World of Wonder family. Mm. And here we are with Tyra returning to the fold. I mean, it's it's an exciting time. I, I oh my god, I'd love. I can't wait to podcast about that oh, one. That'd be my amazing. My goodness, my goodness, me. Let's get into the next episode, okay? Shall we? Of what? What are we even talking about? Oh, RuPaul's Drag Race UK. Well, let's get into it. So the first thing we're going to look into is the library is open. The library is officially open now. And then we, we see get to recurring... see the girls' wit in this case and mm. see what kind of reads they can have for their sisters. Now we all know, and if you didn't know, now you know that the girls actually get time to sit down and actually think of a read before the... they um they do it. So nothing is off the cuff here. The... It's very much yeah. sit down, look at your girls, time to read, get up there and do it for the cameras. Well, I guess there's a sense, you know, any queen coming to this competition now has to know things like snatch game, reading challenge. Um, you know, certain mm. balls are coming. So they prepared in that sense. They must be thinking about it together. But the clearest evidence is Blue's got a prop. She, yeah. she was told that day. <laughs> no, the clearest evidence was the the biggest fail in this whole drag kingdom, queendom, <laughs> of Silky Ganache pulling out her notes in last season. Do you remember? She asked RuPaul if she could refer to her notes. She pulls out her notes of the reads and it's like, oh, obvious. So... Yeah. You say not <laughs> so anyway. Yeah. Um yeah, the reading was it tickled me, it tickled me. There was no standout, but um yeah. Overall it was a good funny reading challenge. What I were thought. your favourite reads from this? Uh, what my favorite I liked a few of Crystals actually, because she was the winner. Um I I liked her reference to Madonna. I'm always gonna love a Madonna reference. Blue Hydrangea, like Madonna, I will always absolutely loathe hydrangeas. My my favorite read would have to be 
I don't know. Well, Crystal did say that one that beggar shits. How many times <laughs> you have to flush you to get rid of you or something like that. I like that. Yeah. Um, oh, and I loved. It, I loved what Davina said to um, Vivian as well. Um, since the effect of um, get on that ferry and fuck off. Oh, she goes, <laughs> Vivian, queen of the, the Mersey. Mersey. Get on that ferry and fuck off. <laughs> In her broad Yorkshire accent. <laughs> uh, yes, and oh, poor Blue. That was a fail of a read for Blue. Now, Blue um, had I, a, a paper bag, funny, a brown it? paper bag with a, uh, with a face drawn on it. And she tried to, part of her read was putting it on Bagger's face and doing that much better but she didn't really get it on and then like to the point where Bagger had to help Bagger had on. to help her with the read <laughs> good on Bagger for being such a good, good sport I love that I was that. like oh this is good, good on you it's all for fun yeah um, Bagger is a good sport isn't she she's just there for fun yeah she's there for a good time well I, I think that what we see evolve here is maybe Bagger came in for a good time and exposure but she's actually now she's starting to yeah. realise Oh my gosh! I can actually win this. I, th- I think that's gonna start. Yeah, she's. I, I think she started to realise that. Um, but yeah, that was the reads. Um, the crystal was the winner of this. Yes. One thing I do want to say is that the queens, moving forward, uh, stop doing in Alaska. Stop yes. doing the Alaska with the reads. And Alaska was the first queen to be when it came to the reading challenge. You have to walk up to report, yeah. get the glasses on, and start reading. And Alaska mm. was the first one to do the whole. Here's a turn. Mm. Oh. No, yeah. I don't want to read any of my sisters. No, no. And then as soon as the glasses come on, she goes, okay, let's go. All right, let's, let's go. go. I don't want to read these girls. I love them so much. All right, let's go. <laughs> and as she finishes reading, everyone to fill. She takes it off and she's like, I don't know what came over me. I don't want to see any more queens do that because it's, it's not original. Yeah. It's not it's not you. And Alaska um, did it so funny and so naturally. Exactly. And Crystal did did in Alaska and Nina Benina Brown did in Alaska. I think mm. other queens may have also done the Alaska. I think Beggar yeah. Beggar somewhat did the Alaska as well. Didn't in this episode? She was like little bit, little bit. So yes. yeah, stop doing the Alaska. It's hers. Come up with something better. Mm-hmm. What were your favorite reads over the time? I want to ask you for all of the reports you raised. What are some of your favorite reads that you've heard? Um, and, and who who do you think are the read assess the, the reading assassins the original reading assassins the literates Ooh. yes who are the literates <laughs> the literates the library card holders um, the original reading assassin has to be Juju B because she was the only queen to really go in there unprepared because yes. season two was the first season to have the reading challenge and we were chatting earlier about our because season one didn't have a reading challenge no no, it's no. the reading challenge Paris yeah. is burning blah 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 came in uh, season two Absolutely. We were talking about our favourite Jujube reads earlier, and there's that immortal... Um, you! Legendary you think you are! <laughs> legendary? Looks like Leg and, and Jerry. Um, fantastic. She's just uh, amazing. Um, I always think of Latrice Royale when I think of reading challenges. She's just a natural. <laughs> she's just got that kind of... She's got that perfect reading energy where it's the perfect balance of shady and funny. Yeah. And so you just can't help but love, love her. And you still love her. What did she say to Fifi O'Hara? Um, uh, Fifi O'Hara, before you le- learn to read, you might want to learn to spell, you illiterate fuck. My favorite Latrice <laughs> one is Jiggly Caliente. <laughs> B-M-W. Body made wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Later, also imitated by Nina Benina Brown. Yes. Oh God, I don't like. You know, don't Love st- Nina to bits, but she but, wasn't original in the reading. Yeah, challenge. don't, don't, don't steal. It's, it's people that don't have humour; they have to take it from somewhere else. But don't do it on a platform that it was stolen from. Um, oh, I, I, I always see- think of Alaska in All Stars Two as well, when she was um, 
looking at detox and she was like, detox, uh, please do. This is an intervention. You need to stop all of this. <laughs> I think Darian Lake had the best. Oh, Darian yeah. Lake had the best read. Mm-hmm. You remind me of a Russian doll full <laughs> of yourself. <laughs> I'm going to say this very slowly so that you can understand. Uh-huh. You're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bianca as well, or Bonnie Del Rico, um, also to a door. Like, I'll tell you where a door going in her SATs. Ketchup. <laughs> Peppermint. <laughs> you need one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So those, those, are the, those are the kind of readings, the reads that readings. I yeah, really, readings. really got me. So those are the ones that I compare everyone to. Were there any of those in this, in this reading? No. Nobody was like a, they they all made me chuckle to be honest i thought yeah. it was like a solid reading challenge to be honest no nobody flatlined we didn't have a, a you know a tatty or a fifi in their flatlining so that was great mm, yeah no 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 i mean crystal had good reads i mean they all had cute crystal reads. won it yeah they had a cute reads but it Even wasn't Cheryl like was funny what did she say Cheryl, you know, she made some. She said something that made me chuckle. Something about like the Grand National when she was comparing. It was a joke, you know. It was a joke, and it was. I funny. don't know what the Grand National is. Oh, darling, um, the Grand National is a horse race. She was saying Davina's horsey. Okay, okay. Well, I didn't get that. I don't know what that is. Is that, a, is that an <laughs> English thing, or am I just dumb? <laughs> am I doing oh, a door the llama? My dear, you live in Liverpool, and it's the <laughs> the biggest horse race in the UK, and it's held in Liverpool annually. Okay, anyway, moving on, moving on. So this week's Maxi Challenge is girl groups. So what they have to do is that they have to come up with girl groups, three of them. They have to do the lyrics, mm-hmm. um, they have to do the styling, and they have to do the choreography for it as well. I love a girl group challenge. Yes, and so because Crystal had won the reading challenge, she got to choose the groups. She did. And she chose for her own group, was it Cheryl or Cheryl Holt? She chose Cheryl and, and the Viv, yeah. Now, what did you think of those choices? Which meant that the other team was Blue Hydrangea, Divinity the Camper, and Beggar. Uh-huh. Yeah, the choices, well, I think... Cheryl was looking at a CV. She she saw a CV yes. and she saw okay on 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 the CV Vivian can sing and I'm um, Cheryl holds a dancer yes. and I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, crystal and skills lie elsewhere. Don't and I they? exist? I exist and I am valid. Yeah. So therefore, I think there's going to be a great group. I think that's what she did in order to. That's, I think that's what the process was for yeah. her choosing a group. Crystal's yeah? a cerebral character, isn't she? And this was the best group on paper. It really mm. was. You know, Viv, who is really multi-talented, and is killing the competition. You could have potentially substituted Bagger for Viv. They bring a lot of the same things, I think. But like Viv is more serious about things, probably. Yeah. Um, and if you want your choreography, I mean, Cheryl is known for being a dancer and a choreographer. But it transpires Davina is also um, really quite the consummate uh, choreographer. And then Crystal, I think she was just very, very aware, wasn't she? Um, I need to bring some strong skills to this group to be successful. Um, and recognizing that she, even though she does have great looks and she can do all these wonderful things like scarf dancing and angle grinding, that <laughs> doesn't lend itself to your average girl group. The sugar babes weren't known for their angle grinding, were they? No. Girls Loud did very little sky dancing. It's different. It's different types of performance. It's yeah. a it's a different performance. It's it's girl groups and he's doing a 
it's kind of it's almost in somewhat a very mild daredevilish kind of. It's like circus stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's, it's very that. So, um, for one group, we've got uh, Vivian. Yeah, we've got Crystal. <laughs> Crystal, have we got? Help me out here. <laughs> we've got Bev, Crystal, and Cheryl and as Filth Harmony. Harmony, and then we've got um, the Frock Destroyers, who are. Davina, Bagger, and Blue. Yeah. Let's touch on what they do in the studio. So the first people that we see come into um, the studio is... Who was... Who was... Is it um, Emenike? Emenike, yeah. I yeah. did not know he was gay. Um, I'm not 100% sure how he identifies, actually, but I know he's... Uh, you know, Apparently he's, he's a queer icon. Queer icon. To, um, um, Crystal. And um, certainly looked fabulous. And yes. what, what a fab... I thought... M&EK was a fab producer. Yes. Should we say producer here? Because yep. that seemed to be his role. Like, we used to like so Lucian, who's fabulous in his own way, has had his difficulties. But, you know, Lucian, um, whether produced or not, adopted a bit of a shady role, didn't no, he? he didn't. He did. No, he Lu- didn't. Lucian, nice. <laughs> Lucian Piani. Lucian was often encouraged to throw a little bit of shade their way and mix things up a bit and... Think of it, Lucian's interactions with Bob. Think of um, the no, season no, no, three so, recording. So you're tra- referring to Lucian and Bob. Bob was the shady one there where Lucian was actually trying to give him some advice and Bob was like, no. I have other examples. Sure. Think of the season three singing challenge and she'd say things like, um, you know, Alexis came in and she was like, oh, you know, I'm a bit nervous. And he was like, yeah, it's really scary, isn't it? And it's like, that's not supportive and helpful. That That's, that's production driven. That's to create drama. I don't know. I like Lucian Piani. I don't don't dislike Lucian. I just think Emenike's energy was very different. Emenike was chill. What you should be doing is comparing Emenike to Todrick Call. Todrick Call came with all the reads for all the queens, which I think I love. Again, again, Um, Todrick started off sweet and seemed to become more shady. And I felt like that was very production driven. I guess so. Anyway, um, so you liked Emenike? I thought he was fabulous. He was supportive. He was chill. He really brought the best out of them. And his production was actually really cool. And I thought it was a great song. Seeing him work with Phil Harmony, who went in first, um, what we see straight away is that Vivian can sing. She's very confident in there. We see that Cheryl can. I know it was singing, but we could see that Cheryl can dance. <laughs> Cheryl can dance. But you know what? It was so nice to see a side of Cheryl there. I hope this is who Cheryl is, where she was just letting loose and having fun. And even though she wasn't technically good, she was just like, she was a, a nice vibe, a nice energy. She, she brought came a at really it. good energy to the um, production. She had like a renewed sense of confidence this episode, I thought, because she, she really felt like this was her wheelhouse, didn't yeah. she? She performs in a Girls Loud tribute band. Fantastic. What a dream job, by the way. Um, and... She, um, yeah, she just very much, she felt like she was in her element, didn't she? And so she, yep. she brought a really fun, positive energy. We realised quite quickly that Crystal is going to be re- relying, she, she's going to be doing the Michelle and Disney's yeah. Child. She's <laughs> going to be relying on um, the Vivian and Cheryl to get her through this. Mm-hmm. And she does this awesome thing where she doesn't riff, but she <laughs> shakes her head to create the Bless uh, her. sound. Is, is, is that... Not good technique. <laughs> not good technique. It's what I do. They were actually quite shady to Crystal um, <laughs> uh, with her talents or lack thereof. And I really want to play a little, a little short clip I made of just all the reads that was actually aimed towards her. Um, here Poor it is Crystal. Now. You have to listen in. 
Why do you think Crystal chose Vivian and Cheryl? Because Vivian's a singer, Cheryl's a dancer, and Crystal can't do either. <gasps> so Crystal. Can I get you to sing on the chorus? I wanna break up, bye bye. Maybe I'll see you in the next life. Don't wanna make up, bye bye. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Let's try. Shade noise. Let's it here. <laughs> Let's try rapping. Oh my god. M just suggested I speak instead of sing. Rude. Build harmony of gonna bring the froth destroyers down. I mean Cheryl's a choreographer, I'm a singer, Crystal's skinny. <laughs> um, yes, and then also um, there was also the Frog Destroyers and from that little segment that we see from the Frog yeah. Destroyers, we also see Beggar has chops as well Beggar has a wonderful voice Yes um, Didn't feel like she was kind of really showing off but she was saying, you know, she was letting everybody know, I can sing She had um, clever, ly- clever funny lyrics um, Yeah We see that Davina is Okay, so what's shown through this whole damn episode is Davina's whistle tone. Like, what the hell? Who who does that? And a guy? Davina, apparently. Ooh, you see what you like. DDC, keep it tight. You know I'm rocking it right. Who is singing? Yeah, well, I will. <laughs> wow. I'm in awe. <laughs> like the way that she just flicks it off. And just she really you know, impressed like, Emanike, didn't she? Yes, well he was in awe. Look, if you could do a whistle tone, like you got your you got your vocal folds I mean, I on can, your side. But, but, yeah, of course. Yeah. Totally. I did I don't deny that. Don't know where the F came from there. <laughs> <laughs> um so we can definitely see that she's got some technique. I mean, not everyone can do whistle tone. There's a reason why we only know Mariah Carey as a standout for doing the whistle tones, because that's not something oh, that every that singer can do. Lay Fleur as so well. um so Blue Hydrangea, you could see the thing about Blue is that she isn't a singer, um, but she actually does such a good job. Not mm-hmm. a great job. I mean, come on, let's be serious. But she does a good job. She really holds her own. She's very safe. Yeah. So that was really good to see um, Blue Eyed Ranger. You got, from the offset, I see singing-wise that this group's going to be the best one. The next thing we move on to um, is seeing them rehearse choreography. And we do see different styles of choreography and teaching the choreography from both the girls. Now, both the choreographer for one of them is Cheryl, the other is Davina. Now, Cheryl seems to have approached this with a, guys, I know the song. These are the steps. I want you to learn it. Mm. And the thing about, the thing about that is that she's doing what's right for her body. She's doing what's right for her skill set. So it's obviously going to look good on her. Now, even though there was a bit of hesitancy and pushback from Crystal mm-hmm. saying, oh, she, she, you could tell that she wasn't really confident with it. You didn't see, um, you didn't see Cheryl try to change it. You, yeah. you saw Cheryl just going over it and not really understanding why she wasn't getting it. And there's, yeah. maybe there's a comment about if you, if you, you know, if you can't do it, it's, this, that's exactly what she said. If you can't do it, then it, that's on you. Yeah, but um, I, th- I thought this was a bit of um, Cheryl's. Youthful enthusiasm, shall we say, coming through. It it just it didn't feel like it was very fair to the group members, really, because Crystal was clearly expressing that um, she she's not getting it. She wasn't getting it, 
And if someone's like Cheryl was like, well, I'm going to showcase my abilities. You know, I'm going to I'm going to put on some it's, some somewhat more difficult choreography to allow me to shine. Do you know what? I don't even I don't think she went into it going, I'm going to create difficult choreography. I just think she went in, into it saying this is going to look good and this is the best choreography that I think is going to work well for the song and not taking yeah. into account that everyone's maybe not as technically um, trained as her people don't dance like her so they're not going to pick it up in, in her mind maybe it is simple because I look at it as it, you know, it's bloody simple mm. but if you're not a dancer if you don't have that background no it's not going to be it's not going to be that way so when we compare that style to Davina the Camper who's choreographing the um, the frock destroyers you can see it's more of a collaborative approach that she's taking yes. you can see there's times where we see her checking up and saying is that okay is this is this good? She, she's yeah. she's making it with the girls, Did, and she's keeping it simple because girl bands aren't dance groups. <laughs> no, they yeah. they do simple fun choreo. Simple, yeah, exactly. You know, they, they will have one or two girls who are standout dancers, but everybody needs to, unison. Mm. Unity is is a thing synchronization yeah. is what you want. Yeah. Um, so but again just like with Davina I think that was her experience and her years of of working with she said didn't she people with a range of different uh, levels of skill when it comes to dancing she's used to adapting her choreography and she's got the maturity to accept kind of like well I can do complex choreography these other girls can't so we need to adapt and we need to work together which is lovely which which is very very smart because Usually, um, you're judged as a group when it comes to the end of the show. When it comes to when you're doing things in groups, you're judged as a group. So maybe she's also looking out for everyone else. Whereas yeah. I think Cheryl may have approached it not knowingly, yes. selfish. I agree. I don't think she went yeah. there going, "I'm going to sabotage everyone." I think yes. she actually had their best interest, saying, "Guys, I got the best choreography, and I think we're going to look amazing." But she just didn't listen. To the people, to the others, going, are saying, you know, maybe it's not working right for me. I agree that she didn't deliberately sabotage everybody. I don't think she had everyone's best interest at heart. I think she had her own best interest at heart, and it was kind of like if that disadvantaged other people, I don't really notice or care. I think Cheryl's sweet, but like a little bit of um, she lives in her own bubble. Yep. Um, and it's it's Cheryl world. And mm. We see a bit more of that in Untucked as well. Yeah. So before we actually go into the actual performances, there's a beautiful moment. Now this this is another episode of vulnerabilities, and I really want to commend mm. RuPaul's Drag Race UK for tackling serious issues of growing up gay, and yes. also how politics can play a heavy part in this experience. Yeah. Um, they do a little segment reflecting on troubled history of LGBT rights in the UK. Yes. There's a moment where they're talking about how hard it was for them in school being gay. Yeah. And then um, obviously everyone chimes in sharing similar experiences of being bullied, of being picked on, of being singled out. And then there's a nice moment that Davina brings up about Section 28. Yes. In which Blue doesn't understand. Do, can you tell me a bit more about that? I mean, I know a little bit about it, but yeah. do you... I mean, you were around then. Yeah, you would have been... I was around when it was introduced. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you were in high school around 1988. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it was something that was introduced by the Tory government. And I think there's a real irony here that it was introduced by Margaret Thatcher's government, who is somebody who was um, done in the Snatch Game last week mm. um made me think that was a bit of a kind of like empowerment reclamation thing but anyway um, section 28 
from what I know, banned the promotion of homosexuality. So that, no books. That was yes. There was the take no, on no it. No books about gays. There was nothing to be. It was not to be promoted. Not to be showcased. No the, brochures. No nothing. The culture was that teachers could be fired if they were seen as promoting homosexuality, mm. and that that could be viewed in many different ways. Um, and do you know what? Davina's so eloquent and she explains so beautifully this episode how straight people are just able to take it for granted that they are correct and they grow up in a world in which, yeah, they're right and there's nothing wrong with them. And with laws like Section 28, young gay people are passed the message that an alternative lifestyle is not available to them and um, that an alternative lifestyle would be wrong. Um, and they're not given an, you know, uh, and yeah, an alternative. I don't want to do a disservice to what she said in her message. I mm. just want to play the audio I because think, yeah. she she articulates it just so beautifully. And here it is now. Growing up was really hard. Like growing up for everybody is hard, but then you add on being gay, and it's just a whole other level. Particularly for the time that I grew up in, every single bit of those gremlins in my age are from. And those kids in the playground pushing and shoving and calling you a fag and throwing their drinks on you and because of section 28 it meant that you know What's a lot of te teachers felt like they couldn't step in what section 28 maggie put it in so uh. it did a lot of damage to people like me section 28 enacted 1988 up to about 2000 it stops the promotion of homosexuality now for most teachers that meant it could not even be spoken about. So it just erases gay people completely. There was no discussion around it. So you have no understanding as a gay person that there can be a different way of living because you never get told that. That never happens. Whereas for a straight person, you are constantly fed. You are correct. You are right. You are valid. You don't get that as a gay person. So that was the message. I mean, it can't be said anymore perfectly. It was beautiful, and and, and this moment, like, oh god, I, I want to sound like such an emotional wreck, but I, you know, obviously, I cried during this, watching it. You're made of stone. <laughs> I cried watching it because it's, it's, there's so much raw, honest emotions that come from her. She's such a yeah. veteran. She's been there. Davina's been there. She's lived through it. And I and I, I wonder if the drag queen emerged in this time or mm. people chose to do drag in this time to be a beacon of rebellion, to be a beacon of hope, yeah. um, someone to look up to in a yeah. time where people were denying them and stripping them of their existence. Yes. Um, in that time. So I think that props to all the drag queens who were around at that time who, who really did give the middle finger to the government. There was also a lovely moment with Crystal and mm. it's, isn't there some kind of, it was reminiscent of what she said in Meet the Queens. Yeah. What, what was that about? Do you remember? Crystal, on the whole, on a personal level, doesn't give a huge amount away. I think she's quite a guarded person um, mm. and I obviously respect her, her for the way she conducts herself. Um, I think in Meet the Queens, she said something. I remember us being curious about it when we did our Meet the Queens podcast, mm -hmm. which may or may not still be available. It might have been limited edition. <laughs> um, but, um, For the first five people who sign up to our email <laughs> and list, you will get access to, on our Patreon, you will see this exclusive interview. It'd be really fun to revisit that, actually, at the end of the season. Yeah, see how right we were. Because, yeah. damn, we're doing so good. So, sorry, I digress. What were you saying about, um, about Crystal, Crystal said, I'm slightly paraphrasing, Phrasing, but Crystal um, embodies um, growing up in a straight world without the hang-ups of of being gay 
something like that. And it, she didn't, she didn't have yeah, a chance to elaborate it. on it in the Meet the Queens. And we were really curious. What does that mean? Does that mean the person behind Crystal, the character, has no hang-ups about being gay and grew up so amazingly self-confident or is crystal a form of escapism from that for the person behind crystal and she makes it clear now that it's more the latter that crystal herself she uh, the the person behind crystal the human being has experienced adversity about being gay and does carry those hang-ups with him um, and Crystal's a form of escapism from that. Crystal allows her to experience herself in a sort of like, almost like a perfect form, mm. almost in a way that, um, what would it be like to grow up in a in a world where um, all people have equal opportunities and p- there's no prejudice and people just be their true authentic selves? Um, and hopefully that's a world we're moving towards, yeah. but not just yet, but um, certainly. Let's move on to the actual performances. And the first performance we're going to dissect is Fifth Harmony. And that was comprised of the Vivian, um, Cheryl Hole, and Crystal. Crystal. Now, my notes were this. Mm. Um, Vivian was good in her section. Now, she had a tendency to look down a few times. Yeah. I, I don't know if that was a creative choice for effect. Yeah. Um, usually you don't want to overdo it, but it was done more than once. And I don't know if that was a. The thing is, when you're performing, there's power in where you look. So yeah. a lot of the times, especially in a competition or anything, you're, you're looking straight ahead at the judges or you're looking straight ahead at the audience because you want to see them because there's power in there. When you're looking at the floor, mm. you're performing to the floor and you really don't want to do that. And she also um, does this thing where she likes to um, <laughs> walk to the back of the room yeah. and perform to the back. I don't know if, again, that was an art, uh, a creative choice, but the thing is you're performing to wherever you're wherever you, Wherever you're pointing at is is is, is who's going to get your energy. Yeah, and a lot of the times the reason why people would turn around is a because well, for example, when you're on stage and you're facing an audience, it's it's as a, it can be a very very vulnerable uh, vulnerable yeah. experience because everyone can see you. You can't hide. The only way that you can hide is by turning around mm-hmm. and taking your body and your face away from the crowd. And there's some sort of comfort and protection that you feel when you do that. I don't necessarily think that the Vivian would be that kind of queen who would do that. I think she comes across so strong and such a veteran and dread. I don't think she would do that. So I don't know why she kept doing this during her time. Now, she only did it during her verse. She didn't actually do it during the segment. So that's why I'm wondering... Why did you do it when when that was your one time to shine and say, here I am, this is my verse, this is me, I am the Vivian. Why are you telling the backstage, yeah. the sound crew, the curtains, this, <laughs> turn your ass around and tell everyone else. Um, and also, That's I don't... Interesting. I, and, um, she performed a lot of the time midway, like not at the front of the stage. Yeah. And I know that she started it, but then had it been me, or even look, look at Beyonce... You want to get to the front. Front center is your best friend, and and if everyone in a dance company will let you know you're wanting, you're trying to be the person in the front and center. I I would have thought that she would kind of transition her way to the front, but she only gets to the front at the chorus, and I I don't know why as well because you have more presence the closer you are to the group, mm-hmm. uh, to the audience. So that's what I had to say about the Vivian. Um, then after that, you start to see, uh, unfortunately, her breakdown in the sense that she doesn't lip sync for the whole thing. She you see her stop. 
Um, you also see her off timing with her dancing. Yes, and mix up some of the moves. Yes. Yeah. In, <sighs> and then catching up. Yes. It was it was an unfortunate misstep. Um that I think can only be accounted for by nerves. She's such a consummate professional. Mm. Professional? Professional. The, um, and also the pressure of being anxiety. a front runner of the competition as well. Yeah. She was, she, she was a first, even to meet the queen, she was like, um, strictly come dancing, I am not. So she's, she let us yeah. know she's not a dancer. And it's it seen, a bit of foreshadowing, un- really. Unfortunately, this, this challenge really seemed to cater more towards the performance. Like it, it didn't feel like they were being judged vocally because if you were to look at her vocally, she was the strongest in the group. She looked yeah. amazing. It looked like they were being judged mainly in what they presented at the performance in front of the judges. Now, so what I, I think about this is that they've approached it as more of a singing challenge than anything else, which is unfortunate because it had so many other elements. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the singing was the least of it because that was that was done in a studio mm-hmm. with where you can add post production. Um, and she is one of the strongest singers but she didn't have quite the sense of humour and she didn't she wasn't able to maintain that performance factor on the stage unfortunately Cheryl however seemed to it was good to see Cheryl in her zone Cheryl in her comfort yeah. zone Cheryl actually um, thriving you could tell that she was very very comfortable on stage with this she was reacting to everyone's verses her face was always on Mm-hmm. Um, she had she had fun. She had fun on stage. She and really it's did. such a contrast when you look at her performance compared to the Vivian. She had fun on stage. She was really, really camping it up. She was not the best singer. Like I don't know what key she was. She came uh. in on her voice. <laughs> like I listened to it and I'm like, I don't know what she's trying to do. Like eventually, she <laughs> found a key and a rhythm. Yeah. But I think again, the performance factor kind of was was what was at the forefront of what people were judging. So yeah. they didn't really look at the fact that <laughs> like she wasn't technically the best, but she still gave it camp and all of that. So she deserved, she, she deserved um, a, a good judging from the judges. Yeah, the others that we them. had was Crystal. Now, mm. Crystal, now I said in the first episode of our podcast, because um, Crystal came and was promoted in the YouTube as a performer, as anger grinding, as ribbon, as, all, as a cabaret artist yeah. with a background in performance. So I was like, oh, she's going to be a great dancer. She's going to be a great dancer because she's a performer. And I remember what I said um, when, she, when she walked into, on the first episode, as she walked out onto um, into the workroom, I, I said... There's something about the way she holds herself and the way that she walks that tells me she's not going to be a good dancer. But I, I just see there's something about the way she holds herself and walks. It's just very, very odd. It's not the control that you would have, not the body awareness you have as a dancer. And uh, I was right. Like she, she obviously wasn't a dancer in this. Mm. But she had the best verse for me. Like she, her yeah. verse had the best rhythm, the best flow. I felt like she, lyrically it was the best. It wasn't the best execution. It wasn't. She wasn't the best dancer performer. She was the other girl. She was the Michelle. Yeah, it was one of the funnier and more cerebral verses. You really enjoyed the lyrics for this, yes. didn't you? And they were really, I enjoyed really the good. flow as well. Yeah. The flow and the rap and the rhythm I, I was could, really good. I could see her trying to bring that bad girl energy, but it just kind of like fell short a little bit, unfortunately. Mm. I thought as well, visually, they weren't a very cohesive girl band. I felt like what they were going for was like, um, you know, we, when we think of girl bands, we quite often think of matchy-matchy outfits, but a more modern take is more to like coordinate rather than to match. Mm. Um you know, when you think of bands like Little Mix, 
unfortunately, they didn't even really coordinate. Like, Cheryl was in, like, this white corset. Um, Crystal was in, like, black and red. The The color scheme was quite jarring, really. Um, um, visually not... The Vivian wasn't pink here. The others were in blonde. Yeah, yeah. That outfit didn't really flatter Viv either, really. Mm. Should we move on to the Frog Destroyers? Frog Destroyers. <laughs> I wish I could do the accent. Um, I I loved the Frog Destroyers. Um, Everybody gets that reference, don't they? Sure that yeah. I'm sure, like, because all drag queens reference it all the time. The, with it, yeah, it's. If I, anybody they... doesn't get it, just put it in YouTube, but replace the FR in Frock with a C. It's a C O C K Destroyers. I don't know why I'm you spelling can, why that. Are you spelling why, it? Are like, why am I such a prude? Yeah. <laughs> um, We're just really, really. I've got my professional really, reputation really... <laughs> to maintain. Um, no, but it's three ladies um, who work in porn who give a really entertaining intro to one Is of their three? videos. Three? I thought it was two. I'm sure it's three. No, it's two. I think it's three. Uh, two or three, anyway. And uh, the very entertaining ladies have become very popular and very skilled at what they do. Going on to this, I really want to say that it was such... They had you from the get-go, from um, the... the, no, the <clears throat> Should I do the whistle tone? Please. Because you're so... You know, we, we have Mariah in the studio. <laughs> he is bouncing no, with delight right I now. I can't do it, but... They they won you from the second. So yeah. we have Davina doing the campy like note, which um got the judges laughing, and then they started off with a beggar. And you all everyone knows that if there's someone that can bring energy and personality to yeah. the runway, it's beggar hands down. Every runway she's done, and, yeah. and she doesn't let us down here. So she starts it off really, really well, really, really funny with her verse. You get the judge. She got the judges laughing on her side. And one of the things mm. that you want to do as a performer is get audience invested in you from the get go. Yeah. Because when you go on stage, you're relying initially on your own energy to to push through. But the minute you get energy from the audience, you feel it, and it amplifies your own performance. And it yeah. really does help. It really does. Now they got that from the first note. It was a it was a good sign for the rest of the way. And it really it really did show, didn't it? Bago was an amazing opener. And I'll tell you what, she gave good face, didn't she? Yes. Do you know who she reminded me of in terms of the, the face that she gave? One of my favourite ever girl band members, Siobhan Fahi, who was in you know, two amazing girl bands. She was in Bananarama and later Shakespeare's sister. And just the way that Bagger gave this like expressive, emotive face, um, she really reminds me, especially of her in the uh, the Stay video. Obviously she didn't like, you know, she didn't visually, her look wasn't based on her, but the there's a kind of resemblance there. And like the face was like, um, yeah, very expressive, very entertaining. I agree. I also think Blue um, gave really good face as well. What do you think? Absolutely. She gave a really, really good face, really, really good personality. It really, really did shine through. The way that she was working it and her India Farah realness. <laughs> she was India Farahing about, as uh, Will Malaska would say. She looked like India Farah who hadn't fallen into Iraq. Mm. I mean, India Farah is obviously fabulous and amazing, but she does love an accessory. I mean, Blue was, Blue really, really, her personality shone through. And I think this was the most comfortable and confident I've seen her on stage. And it, I wonder yeah. if it's because she was performing with such entities as DDC and yeah. um, Bega. I wonder if that played a big part. Because, you know, you always step your game up when you're working with people who are amazing. Yeah. 
You know, you always, there's something about that. It takes a certain person, I think, to step it up when you're working with somebody with an amazing and not not be intimidated and overshadowed. And Blue really came through. I was so impressed with her today. Going back to the performance, one thing that I have to commend is Divinity Camper. The choreography was simple. The choreography was, because it was so simple, uh, they were getting it. It was clean. It was great. That was was the difference between watching them and watching the other group. This one was simple, clean, and it was effective in that case. It was great, wasn't it? like it was it was choreography i could see girls loud having a go out it was fab she um blue, blue hydrangea was camping it up with her face almost mm. to make up for the fact that she wasn't a good dancer but i didn't notice because she was selling it so much performance wise and with her face that yeah it, it and looked it, and sing so i just i yeah. believed her dancing but she sold it more with her character and, and that was, was amazing there was unity as well they were in sync and they looked like a group. They were moving in sync. So thank in you. In sync. In sync. So Davina the Campo obviously killed her part, coming down in a split, coming back with a nice little rap, and then and then finishing yeah. it off. And she, with, she adopted that kind of like patois inflection as well, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. And then she just had the whistle tone. Now, the one thing I do want to say is that I wish during the whistle tone moment she didn't dance around. She just stood still hand to her ear and just did the whistle so that yeah I, I wanted i wanted a focus i wanted a focus on that because the whistle tone almost got lost in the musical arrangement so yeah. you didn't know what if she was doing the whistle tone or she was just like miming the music i wish that she stayed center and maybe the other two reacted to Absolutely. her Wouldn't doing the that. whistle tone so that yeah. it was very very clear in the moment that she was doing the whistle because yeah. it's, it's amazing it's really really impressive in, in the opening and the closing would have been fab wouldn't it the their look was very cohesive as well yes i mean, I mean you know Blonde hair and black outfits, you could argue, is a bit simple, but I think that was also inspired by the the original Frock Destroyer ladies. Overall, it was very, very easy to see that the winners of this was the Frock Destroyers. Do you know, I mean, my favourite, one of my favourite moments of this episode, and it was a fa- it was really, really good episode overall, was um, Cheryl Viv and uh, Crystal's reactions to watching them. <laughs> so what did they say? So um, Ch- Cheryl it's- said something like, it weren't bad. And then... Like Vivian with like this sense of almost like dread creeping over goes, no, it were good. <laughs> it's sure it goes that saying, yeah. yeah, they're good. They were good. Uh, so <laughs> it was like I felt for them because they were like, we're in the bottom three, aren't we? Well, let's see if they are. Now, let's look about the runway looks. So the yeah. category for the runway is Day, Day at the, the races. races. Let's look about the Vivian. I loved it. Beautiful, Loved it. glamorous. Gold Lame Alexis Carrington goes to Aintree Ladies Day, which is quite the event in Liverpool. I just wrote stunning look. Mm. Yes. What about Cheryl Hole? I mean, far be it from me to say this, but it was really, really basic, to be honest. Very it was like, pedestrian. It was, it, was pedestrian. More, it was like a Towie girl, but more basic. Yes. Um, I've seen actual biological girls and women mm-hmm. go to the races and something more campy than that absolutely and the color scheme wasn't particularly i dress campier either. i dr- you're dressed campier than that I right go, now i go to the gym dressed campier than what she was wearing for I mean, god's sake you go to the gym in a full-on feather headdress yeah. did you guys know that i go to the gym by by the way that um, I, I, don't th- I don't think you've mentioned five it. times a week no i didn't it's um it's it, it, 
it hasn't come up actually, <laughs> but um, believe, believe me, <laughs> listeners, it comes up outside of the podcast. Um, what about you? Yeah, I thought I thought it was really basic, very pedestrian. What mm. about Crystal? Crystal, I loved this look. It wasn't necessarily 100%. I could see where she was coming from because like, I think of Day of the Races and I think of Big Hat. Yes. But this kind of gave me more mariachi than, you know, you know, Big Hat at the races. I did notice it was another latex cat suit from from Crystal, which is her go-to look. She, mm-hmm. she seems to love BDSM influences. But also the, I loved the, the I, I actually really love this look, the floral pattern was reminiscent of Sugar Cane's uh, face keeny look, but it was okay. like a catsuit version of it. Wasn't it also like, is it Monique? Monique's Puss in Boots yes, kind of look which is well. a fantastic look. And the, yeah. the cat runway challenge in All Stars 4. I have to say that I did love her look. Beggar. I think Beg for me, Beggar, Beggar was really good. She was, she, was like a, she was like a walking dandelion. Um, I love that. That's a great analogy. Very campy. I, I don't know British drag that well in, in terms of the aesthetic, but when I saw her come out, I, I thought British drag. It was great. She was um, bright colors, like 60s vibe, because it was kind of like a shift dress, wasn't mm. it? And like you say, I love that floral dandelion-y headdress and it, yeah it was it was fun and actually one of bagger's best looks this whole season yes. i think blue hydrangea very roxy andrews with a different color it and was. The big, there was that um it all was, stars roxy where she did the reveal and she she literally was in what blue was wearing but in red and she had like a horsey version of ornacia on her head <laughs> <laughs> hornacia Hornish. Hornacia. What's it? Hornacia. Equinacia. Um, yeah, and then Davina. Davina with the most conceptual look. Also, she, she's very well thought. She, she really does think about concepts. She really does mm. think about how she's going to tell a story, um, so, how, how to go beyond the obvious. Day at the races, she became a horse. Yeah, absolutely. This is more Michelle Dressage. I've been working that. on that for a while. No, what, <laughs> this, um, what this gave me was, um, I don't know if you remember Madonna's... Um, um, to her where she went a question for the first act um, and she looked absolutely fantastic. One of the best looks I've ever seen in Madonna. But this is like a pastel version of it and I loved it. I agree, best look on the runway. Well, her, I, I loved Vivs as well mm. and, and, and Crystal's actually. But beautiful pastel tones um, and like a bit more high concept. It was, you know, she was the only one who went to, for jockey, wasn't she? My only criticism, I would have loved it if the hair had been white or pastel as well, because the black was a little bit jarring. Right. I'll text her. I'll, I'll, can you please? pass my phone? Um, yeah. The bed. Can you text her now, actually, please? <laughs> because I think it's urgent. Um, let's look into the mini untucked before we tell you who were the tops and the bottoms. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a moment where the... They're all bottoms. There's a moment of vulnerability that we finally get to see with the Vivian, isn't there? Absolutely. She's been this drag machine, this perfection. I love that as a phrase, the by the way, stone, drag machine. The stone cold perfection. Um, they could do no wrong. And because of the feedback from the judges, you start to see her crumble and her confidence comes out. And we see a human yeah. and a very, very beautiful, honest side to her. I, I think it's great to see this. And... Like Davina, she jumps in with the criticisms before anybody else can, doesn't she? She really tears herself down and criticizes herself and describes. At least she's fair because she's usually she she, she does tell other people where well, they, I found where they that go interesting. wrong. But she was she also does it to herself. I found it interesting because um, everybody around her was very supportive, especially Bagger. Bagger was being a friend. I mean, they're besties, and she jumped in and she was like, "Come on, love, it's not that bad." 
And I thought that was great. But I thought what was interesting was that nobody jumped in and said to Viv, kind of like, yeah, you, you messed up in the way that she tends to say to other people. People were very supportive of her and lifted her up in a way. And I don't know if it's just a sense of growing sisterhood between them or just nobody else has the Viv style in that way. But um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I just don't think anyone feels that they can tell her that because she's when she gave the opinions to other people, A, was in conversation, but B, she had been the top runner. Like you, she can say that because she's she's really slaying the competition but it was it was just really really nice to see that human it side was, it was to, um to her and there was also a, a time on the runway where even beggar expressed um some vulnerability saying that she felt like she wasn't good enough to be up here with these other girls and she yeah. too is a front runner slaying the competition it's it's nice to see these queens who are so seasoned yeah. show a side of human invulnerability i think we all want to see that it's nice to be a strong drag queen, but it's also nice to, to be human and it's also yeah. because it's relatable and the vulnerabilities of what we see that we can relate to. This is when we start empathizing with yeah. them, isn't it? And when we really start like digging and rooting for them because it's hard to relate to perfection. Well, no. maybe not for you. <laughs> maybe not for you. It is for me because I'm a mess. Um, but um, it reminded me a bit of um, All Stars 2 in Alaska was being, uh, you know, this laser-focused glamazon throughout the entire competition and then she stumbled in the the makeover episode didn't yes. she and alaska's she went her, down she, faster than but it was so entertaining and so bratty and viv wasn't bratty in the same sense but it was similar in, in the way that her vulnerability came out it's it's very much like she made her first hiccup but it was a bad hiccup that could end her up what they can land her in the bottom two, it's isn't it? It's the same it? with Alaska. Very much, well, also very much like Valentina, who was also doing very, very well, a favourite, a clear favourite, and yeah. then she gets, um, she has one bad performance, and then she's in the bottom. Now, the difference between this is that the Vivian shows her vulnerability, but then she also comes back tenfold saying i'm mm. gonna smash i'm gonna slam i'm gonna i'm gonna really ruin i'm gonna go for this lip sync yeah i'm not i'm not going home she, she's coming up with so much so much force and i really really admire that she did she used it as fuel didn't she yes i feel like um poor crystal gets overshadowed a little bit in this and a few people trample on her and don't allow her to express her feelings very well no just just one person not a few people one person well i mean cheryl did but also a bit further on you know it did feel like other people weren't some people were supporting her and some weren't um and i think again i think crystal is a kind of like she's like a thoughtful methodical goes at her own pace sort of person um and yeah, Cheryl really trampled her. Like, put 50p in Cheryl. <laughs> you put 50p in Cheryl. I mean, your Scouse accent's obviously far better than Thank mine. You. Yeah. <laughs> We're um, working on it. I know, you really are, aren't you? Bare peas. We, we can't... <laughs> Chichen. Chichen. Um, Chichen. So, yeah, I mean, this is another example of Cheryl living in the Cheryl bubble. 
everybody's glaring at her because she's going on about how much she loves Girls Loud when poor Crystal's like, yeah, I feel broken and defeated. It, it just seemed like Cheryl was trying to find ways of bringing it back to her because she even tried that during Vivian's time. She was mm. like, oh no, I could be in the bottom just for this look, but Vivian didn't pay attention to that. Yeah. Vivian's not going to be spoken over. So Vivian kept going. But the minute it was um, it was going towards, the conversation was leading towards more the insecurities of Crystal, Crystal. Mm. she found an in and then she took it. Yeah. And she was able to... <laughs> Crystal was glaring at her, but Cheryl did not. They were all glaring at yeah. her. They're like, she's she's living in everyone's emotional, and she's over there talking about girl groups. Yeah, I mean, she's obviously excited with the feedback that she finally gets. She didn't good. She got a good response. This is the first time ever she's she's debatably high. Mm. Anyway, that was a lovely moment. Let's go back to the main stage now. For the first time in RuPaul history, we have a triple one. Very interesting. And the triple one is the Frock Destroyers, which is Frock obviously, destroyers. we all know that. It's um, Blue Hydrangea, it is a Devine of the Cambo, and it's Beggar. Mm. So they all get a um, a Peter badge. A, sorry, Peter, a Peter badge. A, a Rue Peter a, a Rue Peter badge. Because it's based on Blue Peter. Now, Cheryl Hole is safe, which means that the bottom two is the Vivian and Crystal. Now, I don't know how in this world, how in this, in this in, how on earth is the Vivian in the bottom two before Cheryl Hole. I don't know. I don't know, but it's happened. It's happened, and we um, see... Yeah, I guess in this episode, it does feel justified. It is. I, I don't think it was any kind of shady edit or anything. It really was a matter of who performed the worst. Challenge by challenge, who was the worst yeah. to this week, and it was them two. Yep. What did you think of the lip sync? I thought it was one of the better lip syncs of the season because there's a lot of passion from both parties. There's there's beauty behind watching a performance beyond technique. Mm. When I say that, there's beauty um, on watching someone who's technically perfect and then someone who's living their life and pouring their soul and in, 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 in their art and their love of what they're doing on stage. I would choose the performance factor over technique any day. I mean, ideally, I want someone who is both, but it's it's so much. There's so much beauty in seeing someone pour a passion and, and love in their dance and whatever they do in performance. And I really feel that this came out from the Vivian. Yeah. This. Yeah. Do you know what? Both of the girls gave it a lot. This. this. There was a time where I think she, I think uh, Crystal was doing the Charleston during the <laughs> chorus. I'm like, what the hell are you doing, girl? The Charleston. She was doing the, She was doing that. What was? I was like, girl. Is that the Charleston or the mashed potato? Oh, God. Barlow was giving doing... us some fantastic moves. In, in <laughs> she was doing. That. I was like, what are you doing? Now, for, first, first thing that comes to lip sync to me is a. What is the song and what is the feeling of the song? What is their purpose? What's the intention? So this is about a, a powerful, powerful woman. So I'm not going to be second best to any man. I, I, I got the power, and I really felt. That come from the Vivian. I really, yeah, really the felt that she that was a lot better. I'm powerful woman, and I'm here, and this is me. She, she showed strength. Yeah, Crystal gave it a lot. She had a reveal, um, but the Viv, like you, I completely agree with you. She embodied the song a lot better. I liked her little gag at the end of listening to her shoe. That was quite fun. Um, and I just felt like she 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 did do her walking, you know, exactly as you described earlier. She did her walking she, to the back thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, that, that's something I wanted to say. I was like, why she why did she keep performing to the? 
why is your performance at the back of the stage? Maybe she's trying to perform to the girls, but they're not the ones that are going to have your fate in their hands. I think... Show that to the judges. Sometimes there's a thing about like going to the back so you can walk powerfully forward. A lot of girls do that. Um, that's my take on it. I don't know. Yeah. I ain't a dancer. No, no, no. I think they do do that, but I think she did that. Uh, maybe we can watch it and count again how many times she turns around to the back and comes forward and turns around. And comes it could forward. be a game that listeners play at home. Yeah. Well, that's T- what I take think. Take a shot every time the Viv walks to the back of the stage. No, it was See very. How drunk you, get. you know what? You sound like you played that game earlier. Just putting it out there. <laughs> <laughs> and I. Anyway, so the winner of the lip sync was Vivian. Very, very much well deserved. Um, so she's still here to stay. And we do say farewell to Crystal. I really enjoyed Crystal. Yes. I, I'm sad to see her go. Um, I think Crystal had a lot to offer. Um, I think she had like this kind of introvert. She's one of those introvert extroverts, isn't she? She's a naturally sort of quiet, thoughtful, cerebral person. And she projects it into her artistic creation, which is Crystal. Um, And that's obviously an amazing outlet for her. And she's clearly got a range of skills. It's like Drag Race as a competition just didn't quite cater to her. It's a bit like Ivy Winters or Milk. It's just like she's just a little bit too kooky for Drag Race because Drag Race has, much as we love Drag Race, Drag Race is a fairly narrow spectrum of what is acceptable as a kind of like top three formulation. Okay. I don't know. Moving no, I do know actually. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to next week, we've got the badges. So we've got Bega who now is winning with, she's got three badges now, doesn't she? Becca has three, three. badges. Mm-hmm. We have um, Davina the Camper and the Vivian with two, two each. And then we also have Blue, Blue Hydrangea. Bringing up the rear all got, of a sudden. Yes, he's got her one. So um, congratulations on all of them. Also a very, very good episode. One of my favorites so far. Um, they had the performance. They had the singing. They had dancing. Then mm. they had the honesty and the vulnerabilities. And there's a bit of drag, edu- sorry, LGBT education about Section 20A. Yeah. It was just such a really good episode. I think they're really, really stepping it up with the UK. I think this series has really hit its stride. Got a really solid top six, now top five. And we, we did get to see a little bit of the previews for next week. And now, I'm very excited. No, you know, obviously you've been following the podcast and we've always been saying this. We've been saying that there's something brewing between mm. the Vivian and um, Davina the Campo. We've used the term two lionesses eyeing each other Powerling. out. And we've always said that there's going to be a moment where they confront or there's there's going to yes. be a, a moment where they both come together and that is actually forecasted for the next episode we see them two arguing and it seems finally and it seems to be quite like a, a, a it's a cat fight between them two isn't and it it's five minutes after the end of this episode because they're just de-dragging from this episode but yes. looks like, and it looks like they're getting sort of you know mortal combat type positions <laughs> da, da, da. finish her drag finish her, her. <laughs> <laughs> ruin her I wonder what Vivian's fatality would be We'll have to wait till next week to find out. Anyway, that was Spilling the GNT with myself, Bolo, and Dr. Tom. Thank you for joining us. Please share and review. We'll see you next week. Can't wait. Okay, bye. <laughs> Lots of love. See you next time. <laughs> see you. Bye.